Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To finally go back to a movie theater? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. I am Anthony. I am Brad. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's that's Brad over there. <laughs> um, uh, we are gathered here today to uh to discuss uh these two to discuss two movies uh one a re one a remake and another one a um delayed sequel or what do we call that delayed sequel it's reboot. It's definitely a sequel. Uh. But the other one was a reboot. It was a full reboot, not a remake. Because the goal was to have this shoot off into its own thing. Right. Okay, okay. So we're we're talking about uh, Ghostbusters today. The 2016 reboot of the all-female-led cast. And the more recently released Ghostbusters Afterlife, which acts as a sequel to Ghostbusters 2, which came out in the 80s, if I recall correctly. There you go, sir. Uh, how you been? I've been doing good. So, d- definitely been looking forward to this podcast, because uh, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Afterlife came out a couple weeks back, and I remember as soon as I finished watching it, I was like, we gotta do an episode on this one. Yeah, 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 you told me about that. You know what's funny? Um, Kyra and I just, uh, before Ghost before Afterlife came out, we had saw Ghostbusters 1 in AMC theaters when they were doing the throwback. You know, once in a while they do throwback movies. Oh, yeah. Like uh, ranging from Ghostbusters to Casablanca or Quiet, A Quiet Place 1. You know, so we had went to go see that on um, for $5. And, uh, you know, she liked it. I liked it. And then we um, saw Ghostbusters 2 on streaming right before we saw Afterlife. So you got, and, like, all the references and everything that they threw into Afterlife. We did. I feel like when something new comes out, um, I'm kind of one of those stickler type of people where uh, I got to watch it from the beginning. Like, like I can't just go in and watch Saw 5. I got to watch mm. Saw 1 through 4. You know what I mean? Like, I got to I gotta see the progression. I, I get that because uh, before Endgame came out, I did the entire Marvel playthrough. Like, every day leading up oh, to crazy, Endgame. Man. I did one of the movies. Uh, I'm you're, planning to do that again for Spider-Man here soon. I I tried to do that, but I just couldn't, man. I um all I could do was uh when I got up to um I want to say Thor two. By that point, I was like, man, Endgame comes out in two days. I'm gonna just watch the closing scenes, the closing the 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 end scenes, and just go from there. Okay. See, I started like a month ahead of time. So oh, okay. I, I didn't do it like crammed into just like four days before the movie came out. I, I basically was like, okay, I got to start doing it on this day with uh, Iron Man. And then every day I'll watch one of them leading up to Endgame. 
I forgot how many movies it was, man. It's a lot. <laughs> That's like if One Piece comes out with its final season. And I'm like, okay, let me catch up on One Piece. And then I look at like the thousand plus episodes before it and I go, yeah, I'll uh, I'll catch this on the flip side. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love the jokes that people make. Like when One Piece finally ends and all the anime community can finally rest only to have Two Piece announced the next day. <laughs> right, right. Uh, man, I did something big today, man. I did something big that I've been uh, planning to do for a while. You know, um, it's a little personal. I got I got baptized today. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a nice little event, man. I um I had it live streamed. I was gonna send you the link, um, but I I kind of like uh I, I kind of like rushed and told a few people before I when I knew it was gonna happen. Um, they'll I'll send you the video afterwards or whatever if you want to watch. Um, but yeah, man, I got baptized. A lot of people tuned in live because most of my family is up there where you in Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, it was pretty cool, man. All right. Did you just kind of did you have this planned out and everything, or did you kind of just decide to do it out of it's nowhere? So, it's so funny, man. Like one day I decided I wanted to do it because I had already gone through the thing. Like when you're a Christian, you get saved and then baptized. Right. Um, but I took it seriously. Like I'm gonna get baptized when I feel like I when I feel like I want when I feel like it's time for me to do it, not just because I'm told to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like because I, I just take my faith seriously. So one day I say, you know what? I feel like I want to do this. I want to set it up. So during my lunch break, I went to a church that's nearby. That's like my my church now because I we we have been looking for one down here since we moved. Mm-hmm. I came in and I spoke to a, um one of the pastors and I was like, hey, um, can I do a baptism? Real quick, like, do we got do we have to go to like a lake or something? And you dip me in, and they were like, "Well, no, this isn't this isn't the old days. We, we're a bit more modern now." <laughs> and, you know, they kind of laughed about that, and uh, we talked. And um, you know, I um, as I was like going to the church every Sunday with my wife, finally they said, "All right, we're gonna do a baptism uh, for anyone that would like to do it. You know, um, you can come with us, and we'll get you set up before we do it next before we do it two Sundays from now." And so that's how I got it set up, you know, because usually it's like you got to they like to celebrate it as a church. You know what right. I mean? Please you tell wanna me do a- they did it in the way that you saw, like the videos of like the kids getting baptized during like uh, the pandemic where they had like the water gun <laughs> squirting people. <laughs> Please tell me it was that. I actually wouldn't have minded that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. It was just a regular thing. They, um, you know, the pastor, you know, um, he, he, he pushed you down the water, then lifts you right back up. Uh, okay. That would have been awesome, though. They did that. I would. I, I probably would have. I, I probably wouldn't keep myself from laughing if I got baptized that way. <laughs> it, it. I remember seeing those videos and then going, "Wow, that is insane." And then I thought about it for a while. I was like, "That's actually really cool, though." <laughs> That's a cool way to get baptized. You're sitting with your kids, your grandkids. How did you get baptized, Daddy? I was with a was with a water gun. <laughs> See that uh, Nerf gun on the shelf there? That that's what they used. <laughs> it was a pandemic. It was a whole thing, sweetie. You can <laughs> Google it. Times were different. <laughs> definitely, definitely, man. But um, yeah, I got that done. That was cool. Um, all right, man. Well, if you want to hop into it, uh, you you want to go with the uh with the remake first. Um, yeah, let's start with the reboot since that came out first. Let, let's stick chronological on this one. Chronological? We do that? Um, I guess every we, once in a while we do that. Every once in a while, all right. 
All right. I so think this is one of the times that it makes sense. It does. It does. Um, so Ghostbusters, uh, this is a remake of the original Ghostbusters that came out in 1984. Um, this is directed by Paul Feig of uh, Bridesmaids and Spy fame. Um, so this has, look, this movie has so much potential behind it in its casting. Um, right off the bat. In with it this does. direction. It, you know, you got, you got, go ahead. Yeah, it, it definitely has a lot of potential with what they were setting up here. Uh, it was, first off, it was a new age Ghostbusters. Uh, right. The casting was really well done. Like, the cast right. is all A-list here. And the idea of having it completely be like a reboot remaster of everything that we saw from 84 just in a new like 2000 and I think 12 kind of light is when they started writing this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we got a uh, we got some heavy hitter um, comedic talent. We got uh, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, and Leslie Jones of SNL fame. Uh, we got Chris Hemsworth. You know, so we we got a solid cast here. Um, mm-hmm. So what the way this goes is uh, basically the roles of um, the characters from the first film. I think they they have different names this time around, but the the essence of each character is kind of the same. Um, they're flipped to a uh, uh, basically female roles. Um, Kristen Wiig plays uh, Dr. Aaron Gilbert, who um, you know is on her way to getting tenure as a professor. You know she's um, she's on her way to being respected as a uh, you you know like like as a respect. She wants to be someone that's respected in the study of what she does. Um, however, her former friend, Abby, played by Melissa McCarthy, is focused on paranormal studies and things like that. And she, you know, Aaron thinks this is like it's BS. There's no such thing as ghosts. We wrote a book together when we were younger. You know, it was a joke. Come on, get over this. She doesn't want her name attached to the book because um, she doesn't want her tenure uh, um, affected. And um, Abby works with a woman named Holtzman, played by Kate McKinnon, you know, a little uh, a, a little off the wall, little um, off her rocker uh, co-worker that's, uh, you know, um, the crazy scientist. She's a crazy. Yeah, she's a mad scientist is, is how you would describe her. Um, so, you know, the movie starts off with uh, with her confronting her old friend. Then run into an actual ghost. And, you know, her professor finds out about the video that goes viral of them catching a ghost. You know, most people in the comments think it's CGI and she gets fired. So she has no choice but to become a full time ghost hunter. Um, then they run across Leslie Jones character who um, works in a bus station who uh, comes to them. Stay, she, came, she came to them stating that she saw a ghost, right? Yeah, she at first thought she saw a ghost like in like the subway tunnels and came to them for help on like catching it and figuring out what was going on because by that point they were kind of already had some ads out and everything of like see a ghost call us right i got to admit man um when i talk about this film as a whole it it, I, it gave me a few chuckles but one scene that really made me laugh was when she's in the train station and my man who is like the the villain of the film Rowan he says uh he says they're all ignoring you they're all just sewage and when the fourth cataclysm happens, you're going to join the sewage. 
And like, I love how he says it just so matter of factly. Oh, she yeah, goes, you're uh, in retail or you're in customer service and customer service is going to be among the last to join the fourth cataclysm. So enjoy your extra moments when you have them. Right. And uh, for a minute, this guy, you, you feel like he's just another crazy person in New York. And I actually did laugh like, are people in New York really that crazy? But um, I got to say, Neil Casey, as a supporting actor in this film, he really sold the craziness of that character. He did. He, I thought he was a great villain. He was. He actually was. Um, but, you know, um, as the film moves along, it moves along really at the same pace as the original Ghostbusters does. They go to this, like, venue, which it doesn't look like a venue where a rock – it looks like a – Actually, like a um, an up class hotel, but then it just transforms into like a rock venue. Like that's where their first job is, right? Yeah, that was the Ozzy concert. The Ozzy concert, yeah. Like I don't know, it was kind of weird how they ran to like that Butler guy um, that w- who was played by Michael McDonald from Mad TV. Y'all remember that show? Um, and then it just transforms into a rock concert when they go through the doors i was like that was kind of a weird it it very much reminded me of like uh an amphitheater of sorts i guess yeah okay i guess if you put it that way sure but anyway they take down the ghost that's in that uh theater and you know they kind of gain notoriety and from then on um i think the mayor calls them out and states that they're uh they're making too much noise and like like uh to just Stop bringing negative attention to the city or something. Yeah, it's uh, ghosts are scary, and uh, we can't let the public know about it. And you're bringing too much attention to it, so you know, stop. Okay, all right. Um, before we get into Chris Hemsworth character, let me let me ask you, man. How do you? I know how I feel, but like, how do you feel about this movie? Um, I. So the first time I saw it. I thought it was just a regular movie. It didn't surprise me in any ways. There was nothing mm-hmm. really memorable about it. But I remember a lot of people going, oh, it's a terrible movie. And I just was like, it's a passable movie at best. That's how I feel. Uh, second watch, though, especially after watching Afterlife and seeing what an actual Ghostbusters movie, like an, a current like day could look like, uh, this movie is absolutely garbage. I... I it's horrible in every aspect. Okay. Well, no. Rowan's not a horrible villain. He's not a horrible villain, but the major things uh, with the main cast is they're all penned as like smart people. Like, watch the original Ghostbusters, and you're like, okay, we got a doctor, we have a psychologist, uh, we have somebody that's really into paranormal, but he's also very smart about how it comes together. Like, he's very knowledgeable in all things paranormal. And then we have the standard guy that, you know, just comes off the streets and kind of acts as the straight man around all the craziness happening. Right, Uh, right. With this one... We have three people that are pegged as being super smart that just act stupid all the time. It, they don't, they pretty much go, oh, we're smart people, but they always just use every opportunity to make a joke out of how dumb they are or how dumb they're being. Here's my thing with this movie I feel like, um, I, this is my first time watching this movie and after Afterlife. And I kind of took the same stance you said. I I don't think it was. I don't. I've heard so many negative things about it that I kind of like avoided like the plague. 
Um, I didn't know Paul Feig direct, directed it because him and Melissa McCarthy are usually a great team. Uh, mm. So, I, I, you know, I walked into this for the episode and I'm watching it and I'm like, yeah, this ain't the best Ghostbusters film I've seen, but it's passable. Like, it, it's a it's a stupid comedy. It, it's passable. I look at this how I look at Dumb and Dumberer. It doesn't touch okay. the original Dumb and Dumber, but it's a passable movie. It, it made me laugh. This movie, it made me chuckle. It didn't make me laugh. Um, a few scenes in this movie made me laugh, but I, I will say this. Um, see, what what worked with Ghostbusters 1 and 2, and we'll get into Afterlife, but, um, you know, Ghostbusters 1 and 2, they, especially for films that came out in the 80s, you know, the, they weren't to be taken seriously, but they had some heart to them. Mm-hmm. You know, there was humor there. It, 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 it is a comedy of sorts, but there's a little bit of heart to it. You know, there's a little bit of freakishness. There's a little bit of paranormal and all that. Um, but there, there's heart balance with the humor. With this movie, it's way more humor than heart. You and know what I'm saying? It's like good humor. It's like fart jokes. And it's, a, it's a joke every minute. Right. It's a punchline every minute. Right. They don't let anything kind of sit. Everything is a joke. Uh, even when you have like them creating new inventions and stuff like that, like she puts out all the like new weapons on the table and she's like, go ahead and pick anything. And she starts grabbing for something and no, 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 not that I got something better for you. It's a Swiss army knife. It's got, it's got different tools on it and stuff. And it's like, why are you ruining this moment of like introducing new weapons into like the ghostbusters for this stupid joke? But we, but you know what that is, though. That's that's just like you know, that's the joke a minute kind of um, kind of type of writing, and I feel like all that is fine. But if you're gonna compare this Ghostbusters to the rest of them, then yeah, it, it pales in comparison um, because it doesn't balance the heart with the humor. It's just all humor, and it's like you don't you don't really feel anything for these characters. You're like they're just they're caricatures actually. Yeah. Well, you know, they're like, also you could pretty much take almost any line from any of them and you wouldn't know who said it. You know, I think I, you can you would know a Leslie Jones line like, you know, get that crazy ghost out of here. Or, you know, like, you know, being like the loud. Well, if black you didn't woman say and, it like Leslie Jones, if you just said, you know, the line was, uh, you know, uh, what was that? Was it a ghost? I don't believe want to see that ghost. Please get it out of here. Who who said that? Did, is it really still a Leslie Jones line, or is it because she screamed it and kind of gave more attitude to it that it becomes the Leslie Jones line? I guess it depends on delivery. You got a point. You got a point there. So like uh-huh. it, that's one thing. Like if you took a line from Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters Two. You could probably tell who was saying it based on just the context of within the line without the like way of saying it. You have a point because if you go from Ghostbusters 2, let me ask you if you know who said this. I bet all the ladies love you uh, for your for your science, don't they? No, they love me for my epidermis or my my epidermis or something like that. Oh, that had to be uh hmm the fact that he says a line so specific, like bringing out stating the epidemics or that or whatever he said, it was Harold Ramis' character that said that. Yeah, I was but gonna was, say it, Egon. It was either yeah. Egon or Ray. One of them would have been the ones to say that. So I, I can yeah. definitely see that. 
I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, man, but it's 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 passable to me. I, I gotta say, when Chris Hemsworth first showed up, I'm like, okay, what's Thor gonna do? I'm I'm I'm, I'm intrigued because he's taking over the role that Annie Potts had in the first two Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. So then I find out he's straight. He's just a straight up idiot. So I'm like, okay, I I guess the the hot guy can be the idiot. I guess that's funny, you know. Like some jokes, some jokes pass, some jokes fail. Like, um, hey, can I bring my can, can I bring my cat here? Uh, well, we don't like cats. No, no, my cat. Uh, oh, oh, his name is Mike Hat, Michael Hat. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's funny. No, it's Just a, it's a, a little... dog, you know, named Michael Hat. <laughs> right. And I'm like, uh, well, well, uh, did, did you want to bring a dog here? No, he's with my mom's. Okay, oh, all right. No, yeah. no cat. You know, I was like, all right, that was kind of funny. But then the the dumb hot guy jokes got a little just too repetitive. And I'm like, the well, why is he one here? One that got me, and it got me in theaters, and it got me again during the rewatch was when the phone is ringing. Can you answer the phone? But it, it's in the fish tank. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't even remember that one. Oh, it was like the first time when the phone was ringing. You know, can can you get that for us? You know, the the phone's ringing. It was like, oh no, it's it, it's in the fish tank, and it's just his way of delivery and everything, and it's the only like very dumb like Chris Hemsworth joke that works for me. Like the whole like rubbing his eyes because things are too loud, and you know, <laughs> I popped the lenses out because uh, it got dirty and stuff. It's it, it's stupid. <laughs> And uh, Kristen Wiig's character trying to like, 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 uh, you know, oh, seduce him the him. entire time, yeah. And, and like when they're dancing and stuff, and he kind of just like looks at her and just walks away and stops dancing. <laughs> it's like, it's like, why are you coming on to the dumb guy? Like you'll just fall for any dude, right? You know what I'm saying. And she's supposed uh, to be like the smartest one in the group too, but she does the right. dumbest stuff in the movie. It's ah, oh, it's one of the things. It's like all of the characters are just stupid when it comes to it and they, they act all oh, chris hemsworth's character i can't remember what his name was in the movie i apologize for that but his character they're just like oh he's so stupid he's so dumb but all the characters in this movie are incredibly stupid like there's the Kevin. moment with uh yeah there we go there's a moment with christian wiggs character where she uh goes into find like the mayor after they discover that what uh, the bombs were doing for the ghosts and everything. And she's trying to like enter in this restaurant and she's, you know, exactly. pulling on the windows and stuff, like trying to open them. And then she that comes in. And, yeah. But it's, it, it, they're just stupid. You know, this isn't how a doctor would be. Like she apparently was teaching, you know, uh, physics or something for years at this, college I, well i'll say this dan Aykroyd's character even though what every even though everyone thought what he was what he was what he believed in was absurd he treated that role seriously and he still made it funny by being a serious paranormal investigator yeah you know because it's funny that he's so into it i feel like i feel like Miss melissa mccarthy like teeter-tottered on that a little bit because she seemed like she was like she took like like her character took what she was doing seriously, but in kind of like a comedic, like like joke a minute way, mm-hmm. like you know. But it seemed like she was teeter tottering on that line, but didn't like go all the way like Dan Aykroyd did it. Um, but I think it's just a matter of uh, a, a matter of personal direction and stuff like that. See, I'll say this: 
Um, the, and one thing I didn't like about that scene where she tries to come in to see the mayor, and you said it was it was it was stupid. How to, how she says like, "Don't be the mayor from Jaws. Don't ever compare me to the mayor from Jaws." What is Andy Garcia doing in this movie? Like, wh- I don't the- know. I I really don't know. <laughs> I'm saying because I'm like he's not even he's not even funny. Like he's a great dramatic actor, but he can't even he didn't make me laugh. I'm like like what he is he didn't doing in fit here? In with the entire vibe of the scenes that he was in. He didn't. Because he had his assistant like cracking jokes at the Ghostbusters and stuff and he just kind of would sit there. He'd read a couple lines of dialogue and then that'd be it. I could see him replaced by Fred Willard, rest in peace. Um my man from Best in Show and uh uh, a mighty win. He's in a bunch of Christopher Guest films. You know him if you saw him. Mm-hmm. But I could see him replaced by him. But like, I'm like Andy Garcia. Like, it doesn't make sense that he's in that role. Um, see, this is a film where the special effects are pretty solid. The the special effects during like the ending when all the ghosts are like roaming around New York and stuff. I, yeah, I love that. That was really cool. Yeah, that's the thing. This movie got. And listen, for three fourths of it, I think it's a stupid comedy. Uh, the last one fourth of it, it actually gets pretty interesting. Like the action and the and everything coming to a head, I start to laugh a little bit more. You know, I start to get excited a little bit more when Rowan takes over Chris Hemsworth character, and uh, he goes, um, I forgot, he goes to the apartment building to release the ghost, and they're like, Hey, who ordered a Clark Kent hot guy? Or oh, a Clark Kent the, stripper. Right. Oh, because of the glasses and the handsomeness. And everyone starts laughing and he just knocks them out and he just walks right in. Like, I thought that was funny, you know, and um, oh, also the joke of like lifting up the one thing and going, I should have worked out more. I really right. should have worked out more. <laughs> right. Yeah. All of that. All of that is hilarious to me. And um, and, and it gets it gets more exciting towards the end. But I'm like, if I got to wait this long for the movie to actually get good. Yeah, it's 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 just it's just not a good movie. Yeah, I don't think it's horrible. I don't think it's an awful movie. I really don't. I think it's passable. I just don't think it's it's just it's not as bad as people made it out to be. You get you get what you pay for, um, but I don't think it's horrible. See, I will say like that ending fight scene uh, is by far the best part of the movie. But it holds one of the coolest things about Ghostbusters that I really hope we get to see if we end up getting a sequel to Afterlife, which is the creativity in the different like Ghostbusting weapons. Because mm. we had like the Ghost Shredder, we had like the uh, boxing glove kind of thing. Uh, there was the dual pistols, so we had a couple different like cool Ghostbusting weapons and stuff. And it was the first time we actually got to see like them fight off a horde of ghosts with something other than just the proton packs. And I thought mm. that was cool. I would love to see more of that. But it's it's one of the few like really good things that this movie did, but sadly done in such a small dose it doesn't make a difference with just how bad the rest of this movie is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the cameos? What did you think of uh I thought Bill Murray was I thought Bill was just I as that paranormal debunker. You could tell that he was phoning it in. He wanted nothing to do with this movie, and he was just brought in because he was in the previous Ghostbuster movies. He had no heart in his lines or anything like that. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't want to say he had nothing. Well, if he had nothing, if he trust me, it's Bill Murray. If he didn't want anything to do with it, he wouldn't have showed up. 
That's true. You know, like he wouldn't have showed up if he didn't want anything to do with it. Um, I think because Dan Aykroyd executive produced it. Um, I don't know if he because like the reason there was never really a third Ghostbusters film after the second is because Bill Murray wasn't interested. Yeah, um, Bill Murray didn't want to do it. It was they, very late. Ha- yeah, very late. I, I, don't, I don't mean to keep cutting you off uh, that, too. And like him and Harold Ramis fell out during that time. Um, yeah, so I want to say they fell out during the making of Groundhog's Day or something, right? I think we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. they were both trying to make two different movies. Um, but yeah, I felt like his character, like, like you said, phoning it in, um, Dan Aykroyd, (laughs) yeah, he had a funny cameo, cameo as the taxi driver. What'd he say? I ain't afraid no ghost or what do he say? Yeah. This is only like, uh, you haven't seen like a level four specter or something before, you know, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. And then he just drives off. It's a very quick cameo. It does get a laugh, but it, that, that's all it is. I like how. In every in every movie I've seen, um, post two, so basically this one and Afterlife, there's always like a there's a callback line to the song. You know what I'm saying? Like in Afterlife, one character says, uh, "Sure, you want to make a phone call? Or who, who are you, you gonna, gonna call? call?" Yeah, right. I, I laughed in that scene. Like I, it's such a catchy song, man. I love that song so much. Um, and you know, of course, you got Ernie Hudson as like, um, you know, Leslie Jones' uncle in the end, who shows up like. Uh, what did you do to my hearse? Like, you know, like I, I need my hearse back. You know, I, and it's, and then, you know, I can't just round the bodies up and the movie ends. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, at least they brought him through. Um, yeah. and then they got to go ahead. Yeah. Just for that very quick cameo that, that was literally it. <laughs> the one like, okay, before I get into the Sigourney Weaver one, um, you know, you had Annie Potts as a, a hotel receptionist in one scene. Um, what did you feel about, See, Kate McKinnon, I feel like she is a funny woman. I don't watch her on SNL, but like when I do see her, she does make me like chuckle and laugh. Um, I felt like she was kind of like a scene stealer in this movie, but not in a good way. Yeah, like, it's she, like she had trying some hard. good lines. Yeah. But the problem is it was just um, I want to tr- say it was kind of like with uh Steve Carell's character in Anchorman 2 where he was perfect in Anchorman <laughs> because it was just come in and it would just slide you out, out of nowhere right. and be like, oh, that was a great line. That was hilarious. And then I in Anchorman Lamp. 2, it uh, just was so much that it became annoying. Oh, I see. I still haven't seen that one, but I'm still told I should watch it because it, it's funny. It is funny and stuff, but it's oh. I'm trying to remember what the name of his character was. But uh, he just has so much screen time that it it starts to get annoying seeing him instead of it being like those great lines of, uh, you know, I, I threw a trident. I saw that. <laughs> I think you might I love kill Lamp. the guy. Oh, I yeah. love Lamp. Can I invite you to the pants party? The uh, uh, party in my pants. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's the same thing. Like, her lines are good. It's just so often that it, it becomes overbearing and then annoying after a point of time she's somebody that you 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 like to see when you get too much of her she becomes she becomes a caricature right you know what i'm saying like everyone in this film is a caricature uh you you get too much in them they don't become like characters with souls they just become just just characters yeah uh i did like to i did like the end cameo scene between her and sigourney weaver that made me laugh a little bit 
Uh, oh yeah, with uh, I'm trying to. So Sigourney Weaver was like a mentor of hers, and uh, she was showing her around the um, the uh, her her lab, and she says, uh, "If you breathe, uh, if you breathe in too much in this place, uh, we can all evaporate and die." And you know, Kate McKinnon was laughing about it like a mad scientist she is. Like I thought it was pretty funny. Because um, the receptionist also had a uh, moment, because she's a receptionist yeah. at the hotel, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned that. Annie Potts' yeah. character. Um, yeah, man. So, off, you know, it's a, it was all right. It was all right. I give it... I can't even, I can't even bump... I For the ending, I probably would bump it up to a 3, but I say 2.5. It's a 2 out of 5 for me. Okay, that's fair. So... Uh, before I probably would have had it at like a 2.5, but on second rewatch, it's been bumped down to a two. Yeah. I'm not watching this again. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> the only I, I reason watched... I watched this again was so we could pair it with Ghostbusters afterlife. No, no, this is a, this is a good episode to compare these two. My wife was sitting there watching it with me and she said, this ain't as good as the other ones. I'm like, no, no, it's not. But, um, that's yeah, not bad. I mean, I don't. I don't regret watching it. I don't think it's as bad as people said it was. But it, um, it definitely gets a lot of hate. But I'm curious how much of that hate is kind of just going. It's not Ghostbusters, and how much of it is people that actually saw it. Fair point. Fair point. All right, man. You want to lead us into the next one, the most recent one? Yes. So, following uh, the events of Ghostbusters two, we are now thrown thirty years into the future, approximately. Uh, to the events of Ghostbusters Afterlife, where uh, Egon has passed away and his family has inherited the farm that he has lived on for the past several years. And they go to the farm to discover some of his equipment. Uh, There's all kinds of stuff going on in this town, like earthquakes that nobody can explain. And we're introduced to uh, Egon's family i'm trying to remember their names here real quick it was trevor and phoebe spangler were Mm -hmm. the kids in this movie uh of course trevor played by uh phil finn wolfhard of stranger things so that's where he's from yeah i knew i recognized him yeah stranger things and then we are also introduced to other people in the town, like Paul Rudd's uh, Mr. Gruberson, I think was his name. <laughs> and Your name is Gary Gruberson. Yeah, Gary Gruberson. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, as well as a very paranormal kind of focused kid uh, that goes by the name Podcast, uh, which as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, I'm going to either love this or hate this. And uh, I can say I loved it. His, his character is great. And right. uh, who's very like eccentric on like uh, anything paranormal. And he just loves kind of podcasting everything around. He literally walks around with a microphone everywhere he goes. And those are the, basically the three main characters in this. Uh, and then there is also their mother who kind of has a role in it. Uh, but not really. She's kind of plays a background character more or less after the first opening act. Yeah, I would say that 
the thing I like about this movie is that it does focus on the kids. You know, it focuses on the next generation of Ghostbusters. And that could either go one or two ways. That could go one way where you don't like it because you don't like the chemistry with the new characters. You feel like the new characters, they don't mesh as well. They're not as interesting as the characters you fell in love with for all these decades since the 80s. Um, or it could go the way that I feel like this film did go. You know, you had characters that you actually cared about. Um, great character development. Great um, things. There are thing. There are things at stake, and there are like uh, there's there's emotional trauma within this family that is palpable within the storyline. You know, mm-hmm. you you have a granddaughter whose grandfather is talking to her from the grave. You know, like he's a ghost. He's playing chess with her and stuff like that. And uh, she's learning about him, you know, like like through his spirit, you know, like she's 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 actually becoming closer to him and getting what uh, her mom never got or never understood why she didn't get growing up. So this is what I mean by heart and humor. Um, A lot of this film didn't make me laugh, um, but there 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 is humor in it. You know, it's more heart than humor, but that's not a bad thing. Um, So. Yeah, I feel like this film balances that well. Um, it's directed by Ivan Reitman. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Jason Reitman, who is the yeah. son of Ivan Reitman, who did the first two, right? Right. He uh, worked on the first two movies, directed the first two movies, and right, then his directed. son directed this movie. Yeah, so there, there's a sense of family there that's very strong without the, throughout the film. I feel like this film has very strong themes. Um but I, you know, it made me wrestle with the fact that I don't know if I would call the original Ghostbusters. Well, I guess I would call them comedies, but I would also I would I kind of looked at them as kind of like action comedies, though. Like I don't yeah, know if they I were was more strictly... supernatural kind of comedies. There you go. There you go. I don't know if this one fits in. This movie has comedic moments, but I don't know if it's a comedy. No, Paul it's Rudd more an adventure kind of like supernatural adventure movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I give it that. I give it that. Um, and it's good at that. So uh, I don't. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with them like like putting more heart into it because I don't think you can go wrong with heart. But uh, what were you? What was your impressions of this movie? So with this movie, uh, first off, I want to say when. I mentioned how like in Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two, how you could take a line of dialogue and you basically can tell who was saying it. I feel like with this new cast in this movie, we have that same feeling. I could tell if something was being said by Trevor or Phoebe or podcast, you right. know, and I, there was that other girl that joined in late in the game and I can't remember what Lucky. her name was. Lucky. Luck. Okay. Yeah. And it's same for her. Uh, she didn't really get too much development in this. It was more a focus. She's on- a love interest. Yeah, she's, she's a, a love interest for Trevor. Right. And it was mostly Phoebe and Podcast. Which right. Podcast filled in for Ray. Uh Phoebe was Egon. Then you had Trevor as kind of a uh I I, I don't know if he would really fit in as like Bill Murray's character. I think Paul fits in as like uh the less cynical version of Bill Murray's character before he gets like possessed. Right. Um, you know, uh, I feel like he fits in as that. But okay. I guess, you know, eh, 
I don't, I don't even think they're trying to like mimic like other characters. I feel like they're their own characters, you know? Right. But they kind of, this is, these are the roles that they kind of play in with, you know, podcast was very into supernatural. So he kind of knew little things everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. so did Paul Rudd's character because he was a huge fan of the Ghostbusters when right. they were huge in the eighties. So he kind of knew little things about them and everything. Like when they brought in the proton pack, he was like, Oh cool. Where'd you get this replica? This is, this is awesome looking. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I, I think there's a lot of heart in this one. Like you said, that just makes it very good because you have the moments where Phoebe is learning about her grandfather and he's literally like guiding her on how to repair a proton pack, you know, by, using lights to shine on different objects and kind of whenever she's like, I'm looking for this. And then the drawer will open and then there's the tools that she needs. And it shows that she's smart and she actually fits in somewhere because that's a big part of her character is not really fitting in with everybody else around her. So it, it there's a lot of character diversity here. And with her basically taking up like the mantle of the new Ghostbusters, which I love and it's it does do a copycat of the first Ghostbusters movie with mm-hmm. uh, Gozer uh, being the main villain. And then we have the Key Master and the... <laughs> who is key it? Masters. The Key Master and... I can't remember what the other one was. The Gatekeep? No. Uh, I think it... Um, hmm. I don't know. But it's basically, it pulls that same thing of the two demonic dogs that possess uh, their mother and then Paul Rudd's character to unleash Gozer into the world. You know what I feel like this film pulls off nicely? The contrast between the busy world of New York City to the slow world of like, like, they're in Kansas, right? Uh, Yeah, they're like in the middle of nowhere. Right. I, I like that um, even go, no Oklahoma. I like that even going to a place like Oklahoma where it's like, you, you know, in this film, a little slow, you know, not much, not as busy as New York City and um, playing with the idea of, oh, that Ghostbusters thing in New York is a myth. That never happened. Or, you know, only like only like crazy people believe that that happened. And it actually happened into a small town like this. I liked how Jason Reitman kind of played with his location and did it well. Mm-hmm. Like how they're chasing the Ghostbuster through the street and trying to and trying to zap it into the thing. Like yeah. I had to, So yeah. it this movie has some great scenes. Like when mm-hmm. they do actually get the Ghostbusters like vehicle out and they're like chasing what was it, the Muncher, which was like basically a new age of Slimer, more or less. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're they're going through the town. You have Trevor driving the vehicle. He's not you know, he doesn't have a driver's permit or anything yet. So he's basically just, you know, swerving around, not exactly doing a very good job. Then you have right. Phoebe trying to uh, use a proton pack, like being like shifted outside of the car on this weird, weird little like side chair kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you have podcast controlling this little RC car ghost catcher. Like it's it's got a lot of fun with it. And it brings about those kind of like new ghost busting techniques that, you know, I want to see more of. And we get to see a little bit in this movie. Not too much, but those scenes when they do happen are very fun. Especially when uh, we get to see 
uh, Phoebe like trying the ghost uh, proton pack for the first time and everything. You know, mm-hmm. starting it up and like struggling because it's made for, you know, an adult. And she's right. like this little kid. So she's like struggling to like hold it and like prop it up and stuff. And yeah, I, I agree. Um, this is a fun movie. It, it was fun. Uh, I, I love like the scenes with Paul Rudd. Like, you really can't go wrong with Paul. No, you can't. He just he just fits as the everyday relatable funny guy in any movie he's in, and I love how he's this. <laughs> I love how he's like the uh, summer school teacher, and uh, he expects all his kids to like not really care about school and be dumb. So he says, "This is a film called Cujo. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty fun film. Um, it's about a uh, evil dog, uh, and uh, enjoy." And I love how she uh she comes where he is to his office. And uh, he says, hey, you know, you're missing a good movie in there about a killer dog and stuff, yeah. and, you know. <laughs> and I like um, I like how much of a I, I know she's a, I like how much of a douche the little kid is um, like in some scenes where he's like, OK, so this is a seismic shift. Yeah, I'm not an idiot. I know what a seismic shift is. Oh, like, yeah. Like she's her character is on the spectrum. So she's very like blunt with things. Oh, I didn't know that was what was going on with her character. I just thought she was just super smart and antisocial. Yeah, so they they put it on uh, that she's on the spectrum. So she's very blunt with a lot of, like, her... Because she talks about how she doesn't know how to, like, uh, show emotion and stuff like that. Because it's one of the scenes with the ghost and going, you know, aren't you terrified right now? And she goes, yeah, except I just, I don't process it the same. Internally, I'm screaming, but externally, I don't know how to show that, you know, or my body (laughs) doesn't show that. And so, which makes a lot of scenes with her great because Mm -hmm. it's those blunt reactions to, yeah, I know, because those aren't matching up with this and this. Oh, okay, well, what about this? This is how a normal earthquake is. Here's how a normal seismic shift is. And she's like, yeah, duh, that's that's basic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's yeah, she's she's a genius. Um, so if you want to go into the finale, which I think is a great final fight. Um, now, this film, this final part here is definitely fan service. But I feel like it's I feel like it's good fan service, and towards the end, it it kind of becomes very heartwarming fan service. It it is fan service to the extreme, and as a Ghostbusters I know fan, the extreme. oh, it it's fan service to the extreme. I, I everything I down happen. to it being uh, Gozer coming in uh, with the whole line of "Are you a god?" and the call back to Ghostbusters of, you know, if somebody asks you if you were a god, Ray, you say yes. And with this one, it's like, are you a god? And uh, Bill Murray's character goes, come on, Ray. (laughs) Yes, we are gods. (laughs) Right, right. But that's just a callback. That's not fan service. Um, What I would call the fan service is, first off, them all coming back, and then major spoilers not that it's a big thing since we're spoiling everything else but with uh the ghost of egon coming back and helping them with uh the one last fight against gozer which is the goal that he's been trying to do these past however many years since he left new york uh to stop this event i wouldn't say that now with the ghost of egon coming back you know pretty much the ghost of harold ramus coming back 
I wouldn't say that's extreme fan service. I say that's heartwarming fan service. It is very heartwarming fan. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. Because the entire scene is very like it. Here is something for Ghostbuster fans. You know, th- this wasn't made for everybody. This was made for the people that have been waiting to see a Ghostbusters three and want to see these people line up again next to each other in this kind of fashion. And yeah. th- here's what you get. You know, you it took us you know thirty years or something like that to finally get it going, but here you are. And mm-hmm. it is so worth it. And it's a very emotional scene, too. Like, they, I love that they didn't do any voice work with Egon. They had him sit yeah. silent the entire time. And at first, I was like, I was waiting for him to say something, but then he didn't say anything the entire time. I was like, you know what? That was better. I, it I is like better. that. Because you don't, when, when you run into the deep fake voice and things like that, I mean, you, you can do it if you want, but it, it it's more respectful to just have like, a um a CGI lookalike. You you so you can get you can feel the spirit of right. that character. You know what I mean? And um uh, at the same time pay tribute to Harold Ramis, rest in peace. Um yeah, I feel I felt it worked better that way too. Yeah. And the, the CG there was phenomenal. It was. Uh, if you had you know if it wasn't for the fact that I already know that he passed on I would have believed that he actually just came in for that scene and did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. It was phenomenal the way that they did it. And very like heartbreaking because previously in the movie you find out that he didn't really like abandon his family, which is what his daughter thought. Uh, right. He left to try and save the world, which nobody else believed uh, was going to happen anymore because they had won in Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Uh, mm. So paranormal activity was on a low, but he knew that something big was coming and he wanted to prevent that. And he still kept up with like the knowledge of what his family was doing. Like you saw it in his little lab, I guess, with the yeah. pictures of his daughter and going through whenever she was in the newspaper or any updated pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what I say about this movie, man? It has some like sincere chills to it. Like the the jump scares and the um, the creepy moments, uh, Jason Reitman did those pretty well. Oh yeah, yeah. The one with uh, Paul Rudd and them like trying to uh, what was it? The Ghost Catcher. Like you mm-hmm. knew it was coming, but that scene still got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the Walmart scene with the marshmallows trying to roast each other and turn each other into sundays and I mean, um, um, s'mores. I'm sorry, s'mores. Yeah. I uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, what am I missing here? Um, so hey, Annie Potts shows up in this movie too, doesn't she? Uh, she like, does. She's the one that first uh, allows them to get into Egon's house, and then she shows up again in the end credits scene. Right. Uh, does she? Yeah. She. Uh, did you watch both end credit scenes? I did. I, um, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Uh, actually, no, I just saw the one with Bill Murray and Sigourney Weaver's character. There was another one. Oh, there was another end credit scene at the very end. Dude, um, I gotta start looking this up, man. So, 
I'm just going to tell you what it was. Go ahead. So it was uh, Winston's character. It was an interview with him and then her of kind of Mm. going, you know, you talking about how he's the one that's keeping Ray's bookshop open. Like he's paying Mm. the bills because he's successful and everything right now. Uh, So he's financing everything. And then we see him uh, pull the original Ghostbusters vehicle now all cleaned up and back to like almost original status. Uh, pulling into the fire station that was the old Ghostbusters headquarters. Mm. And then it pans down and kind of reveals that uh, the containment unit still has one of those red blinking lights on from the basement. Mm. Okay, okay. Yeah, man. I know there's a website out there that can let you know if there's post-credit scenes. Because I think I looked up and saw that there was one, um, but I didn't know there was two. Yeah, it was a mid credit scene, which is the one with uh, Sigourney Weaver and Bill Murray. And then right. there was the post credit scene, which was the one with uh, uh, following Winston. Yeah, okay. I hate that, man. I'm starting to get tired of post credit scenes, dude, especially when I don't know one is coming. <laughs> like, I was really pissed when I found out the Green Knight had one. Like, I had to go on Wikipedia to find that out. And then uh, there's a movie I like with Liam Neeson called The Grey. I found out that had a post-credit scene. I've been watching that movie for years. Yeah, but that's that's neither here nor there. Um, now that now I think that mid-end credit scene that's fan service. It's cute fan it, service. That one was service. very cute fan service. But yeah, that was fan yeah. service with them playing with the uh, what was it the electro electro. Uh, kind of zapper with going what what's on the card is it uh it's a star with six points and right she's like she's like man how do you know all this and they say well you know uh love gives you like a, a third eye to um you know um esp or whatever she says you marked the cards didn't you i marked the cards <laughs> and she shocked them <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny yeah so yeah this, this movie it, it is a a great sequel to Ghostbusters. And I remember when it was first like showing trailers and stuff for it, uh, I thought this was going to more or less be like Stranger Things Ghostbusters edition. And I would have minded that. Well, that's the feeling that I kind of got looking at the previews and everything. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of what I was going in expecting because Stranger Things is huge. Here's an opportunity to take on that. We even got uh, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things into this one. So we, yeah. we're going to dive into that Stranger Things and pull out a Ghostbusters sequel. Instead, what I got is a more true-to-form Ghostbusters sequel than I could have ever imagined us getting. Yeah, because I remember I I know I'm in this Discord group where a lot of people are like, I'm not going to see that Ghostbusters with all those female comedians, and I'm not going to see the Stranger Things one either. And I kind of go, because I know, like, because again, the female one gets so much hate, and I don't think it deserves it. It's not as good, but it doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of, I was really defensive with Afterlife. Like, no, 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 it's not a Stranger Things. It's actually a good movie. They're like, eh, whatever, you know. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to, especially because they have one of the cast members of Stranger Things in it and the way that the right. trailers present themselves. It's when it hits streaming, I think this movie is going to find a whole second life because it's going to be all those people that were like, I don't want to go to the movies to see Ghostbusters Stranger Things. 
and mm-hmm. they're going to finally watch it on streaming and go, that was a really good Ghostbusters movie. That wasn't like Stranger Things at all. Let me, let me tell you something, man. I saw a lot of people um, our, our parents' age uh, with Ghostbusters shirts on and stuff in the theater, and like there were like some diehard fans in the theater, man, when, when uh, we went to go see this. Oh, yeah. I, I, I did a uh, preview screening for it. So it was only press, so I didn't have that kind of experience with seeing it with like normal kind of moviegoers and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you didn't even see it opening weekend. You saw it after that, right? Uh, I, I, I think we did. I don't remember. Okay. But, yeah, so um, I, I could see it definitely being like a big moment for a lot of people in that age group that were like kids when it came out, because by the time I was growing up and I finally saw it, I saw it in like the early two thousands, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, one part I thought was so out cold. Uh, I, uh, I kind of went, dang. Um, when the main villain shows up, Olivia Wilde out of nowhere, um, you know, she walks up to, uh, JK Simmons, uh, Ivo Shander's oh, character. Yes. And he, He's like, he's like, I've been waiting for this moment so much for us, for so long for us to be reunited. She just rips him apart. I'm like, dang. Yeah, that that was gruesome. Uh, I remember when they first went into that, uh, like, ancient ruins kind of area, and they, like, walked up to uh, J.K. Simmons uh, in that kind of, like, casket area. I thought, is that J.K. Simmons? I didn't know J.K. Simmons was in this. Me either, because I, I, like I said, it looked like him, and I was like, "That nah, looks like J.K. a little bit." Um, yeah, I like, I like the whole little exchange. Like, this doesn't seem like Bill Murray was phoning this in. No, uh, seemed, he definitely was going in on this one, like in the old Ghostbusters style. Like, I love when he's talking to Gozer, and he's like, uh, he says, "Every time you just break my heart, like you know, like one time you you possess my woman." Then you tried to do this, and now you're doing this again. Like, like as they're like preparing to like take her down, like trying to distract her. We could have been the biggest power couple in all of New York City, and you right. threw that away. That made me laugh because Bill Murray is great when he's the when he's doing like when he's doing deadpan humor, you know? Yeah. Uh yeah man I enjoyed myself my uh wife enjoyed herself I get this a four out of five. Uh, this one I think is like a five out of five. This is a Whoa. a movie to me. I really enjoyed it. The characters were all great. Uh, I thought the themes and the drama were great. Very heartfelt. Uh, the fact that they could incorporate Egon into it after he had passed away and everything, I thought that was wonderfully done. It, it wasn't done like distastefully in any way. It, it had that nice, like childhood summer adventure feel to it, but in Ghostbusters, there's a lot to love about this movie and very few negative points. You know, like off the top of my head, I can't even think of anything negative. Fan service though. You, you said in the beginning there's a lot of extreme fan service, in your opinion. The end is some extreme fan service, but it's well done extreme fan service. So when I say extreme fan service, I don't mean that in a bad light. You know, right. I, I think it falls perfectly where it needs to be for the fan service. Uh, but it some of it 
could go over like the heads of a lot of people not knowing you know if you hadn't seen ghostbusters or ghostbusters 2 anytime in the last like 10 years there's a good chance that you would forget a lot of the things that they were referencing in this movie like the twinkie in the dashboard being like egon was talking about the twinkie as like a uh host for specters and stuff like that and mm-hmm. you know it had to be a twinkie about ten thousand times the size of a normal twinkie that's a big that's a damn big twinkie <laughs> you know right so there's little references and stuff like that that you know people wouldn't get. I don't think they take away from the movie if you don't get them. It, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, there was a Twinkie in the glove box. That's funny, you know. I respect your opinion, but five out of five is 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 perfection to me. Uh, I don't know, man. I give it a four, but I, I respect what you're saying. Yeah, that the the fact that I can't think of anything negative or anything that I think should change about this movie. It, it that says something. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, I mean, we we knew coming into this, you know, Afterlife over um, uh, the Ghostbusters remake, just just on site. I, I mean, I kind of knew it was gonna win out. Oh yeah. Part of me said there'll be like ten thousand to one chance that the that the uh, the female that the Paul Feig directed Ghostbusters. Would, would be better than afterlife i knew it wasn't possible but i said it's a ten thousand to one chance so one thing that i do love is uh when the new ghostbusters was announced uh mm-hmm. leslie jones took to this whole rant about how uh you know it was destroying the 2016 version and you know i guess uh the public can't handle a woman-led ghostbusters movie uh, which I think is hilarious because this movie was woman led. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, I, I guess so. Phoebe yeah. is the main character of this movie, absolutely, and she takes that lead correct. You know, and I, I think that's like one of the best, like weird middle fingers to that comment of people going, "Oh, you know, it's because it's female led. That's why everybody hated it." Uh, no, here is a perfectly good female-led Ghostbusters movie that pulls off everything that it should and gives you the kind of Ghostbusters movie you want. Yeah, I um, I think Leslie Jones was just having like sour grapes because no one liked the female one as much as she might have wanted them to. Um, it's not a good movie, man. Like it is what it is. Like I, I get it. You want it to win. You want to be able to do a sequel, but. You know, if you made trash, you made trash. It is what yeah. it is. You just gotta, you know, and this is the man's son. Like let let him let him pay his father's legacy uh uh in the right way. Right. Yeah. I, she's still riding that train that people hated the movie because it was female led, and that's the only thing that's wrong with it, is people can't get over the fact that, you know, females were ghostbusters. That's like saying people hate it on Bridesmaids because it's a female hangover. People love Bridesmaids. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the movie just wasn't funny. Yeah, it just wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could say that's subjective. It's our subjective opinion, but our subjective opinion is the majority. And that includes, mm-hmm. I'll show you that includes uh, women that have watched that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... I... By no means do we ever count our opinions as the only ones as, like, true fact here. But, yeah, our opinions on this subject are definitely falling in with the regular crowd. 
Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I don't go off Rotten Tomatoes a lot. If I want to see a movie, I'll go see it. But this has a 63% um, afterlife. Uh, then, for then, critics or audience? You know, I never look at the audience. I just look at the critics. Um, for critics. For audience. I don't know what audience is. Um, but 63%. Wait, what does 2016 have for critic score? I think it's in the 50s. Oh, okay. You're like, that better not, that better not be more. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> 2016 better not have a higher critical score or else I, I'm going to start. I mean, I already questioned some of those critical ratings anyway, but at the same time, I, I you know. Oh, no. It has 74%. What? No, no BS. The fi- the female, um, the Paul, Paul Feig directed one has 74%, and Afterlife, has, Afterlife, Afterlife has 63 how? How did is there a twelve percent difference in critics that went no no no, twenty sixteen that's a good movie, <laughs> but this new one that's actually good, I hate it. Nothing good about it. It's terrible. How? I'm gonna have to go through some of those critical reviews and see the people that were saying that this isn't good and seeing what they said because it's possible they saw a different movie and they accidentally thought it was Ghostbusters. They just they just looked at it as oh it's just nothing but nostalgia it's ruining a it's just trying to like overdo a classic we've had enough stuff like that you know negative stuff uh, like I said I don't really read reviews unless it's a movie I'm really skeptical about seeing um, moving on though man anything you seen at the movies um not in theaters uh, but I am prepping to do Spider Man rewatches for. The original uh, Raimi trilogy and the Amazing Spider-Man two movies before this uh, No Way Home comes out. I never watched those, man. Um, I do like Andrew Garfield, but I never watched those. Like, uh, I, I don't know. I just didn't hear good reviews about them. Like, See, I, I thought heard, they like, were they, good. Uh, they. I think a lot of the people that were upset about them were upset because the Raimi trilogy was just so beloved by that point, and then so they were great. just rebooting Spider-Man again. And I think that's where a lot of the hate on the Amazing Spider-Man movies comes from because they're they're not bad movies. I enjoyed them. Okay, all right, I might check them out then. Um, I mean, given because- the fact that the villains from those movies are in the new Spider-Man movie, it's probably a good thing to check those out before seeing the new Spider-Man. <laughs> fair point, fair point. You know, the thing I love about the Raimi movies, man, is because it's so... Like, like, like you, you, Peter Parker in his day-to-day, you know, it's kind of lighthearted. You know, Tobey Maguire has the great Peter Parker look to him, but, like, when, when the stakes are really raised for Spider-Man and when they're really raised for Peter Parker in his personal life, like, they raise the stakes well. Like mm-hmm. Sam Raimi, he knows how to balance the the whimsical with the action with the dark themes. Yeah. Like that's why I love that trilogy. Spider Man Three is a mess. It, it is a mess, um, but it's a beloved mess. It, it's a mess because they were trying to put too much into it at the same time. They were right. trying to do the Venom origin story while doing this whole like Sandman. Uh, Sandman heartfelt kind of Uncle Ben story, and then there was the whole thing with Hobgoblin, and you know. With him discovering, like, Peter Parker killed his father with the Green Goblin and coming to terms with that. And so there's just a lot going on in that movie. 
It's just overstuffed. And then the and then the ending is a downer. And I'm like, like who approved that ending? Like I like where it's just him in a nightclub with Mary Jane and Mary Jane singing. Nobody's listening to her, but Peter's there and they embrace and then it just ends and I'm like, was that was that rushed or like that was just such a downer ending when I saw it in theaters? Yeah, it's it it's a weird movie. It is. And then evil Toby Maguire is just weird. Uh he's more funny than, you know, evil. <laughs> right. Like the listen, the dancing got me. The dancing made me laugh in theaters. Like I just cracked up, man. See, the dancing was hilarious. I don't think it right. was supposed to be funny. I thought it was I think it was supposed to like be showing that Peter's all cool and stuff now. And instead it just was, it's out of touch cool. <laughs> That was supposed to be funny, man. I think that was supposed to be funny because <laughs> there's no way Ramai saw that shot and said, oh, man, that's just a great, cool shot. Let's put that in the movie. No, he saw that and said, this is hilarious, and I'm putting this in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I'm excited to see what he does with, uh, what is it, Multiverse of Madness, the Stephen Strange or Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited too. I, I think that's that's right up Sam Raimi's uh, alley to do uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, man. You know, uh, we've we've seen so far uh, who who we got here: Green Goblin, we got uh, Doctor Octopus, we got uh, Sandman. Sandman showing up. I thought Electro was in it. Uh, Electro is in it from Amazing Spider-Man Two. Uh, Lizard is in it from Amazing Spider-Man, the first one. Sandman's in it from Spider-Man three, and then Thomas have... Hayden Church. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, you think? Uh, wait, you saw Venom, right? Venom uh, two. Yeah, I saw Venom two. Now, some people keep telling me they don't think Tom Hardy's going to show up. I'm like, dude, Tom Hardy's showing up. If he doesn't show up somewhere in the mood, like. I don't think he's going to show up as Venom. I think he's going to end up being somewhere just as Tom Hardy. And if he doesn't show up somewhere in the movie, I think it's going to end up being like a post-credit scene kind of thing. Listen to me, man. It's not a Spider-Man movie without Venom involved. Like, it, 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 Venom needs to be involved. If this is going to be a, a villain orgy, Venom needs to be there. I know he's an anti-hero, but he mm -hmm. needs to be there. He's the Joker to vet to Spider Man. I, I would love for him to be in here and get surprised by that, but I feel like they really want the first time like Venom and Spider Man to go toe to toe to be in its own movie. You may be right because they signed them on for three more films, so you may be right. Uh, but my optimism says you're wrong, and I really want to see him. I I could see him making an appearance as Tom Hardy. Or as he, Eddie Brock, I, I don't see him if he puts on like the entire like Venom suit and everything at all in this movie. I would be surprised, uh, even more so if he ends up joining into the action. Okay, okay. Well, we'll just have to see. Uh, this is going to be a tough one, man, because I uh, I think my wife and I want to go to the movies on Christmas Day um, to double feature this and Matrix. Okay. So I kind of got to stay off social uh, for a while before uh, after opening day because I got to treat this like Endgame. 
yeah, this one, I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of spoilers online as soon as it comes out. And the, I guess the worst part is after the premiere on December 13th, um, it's open for social media and reviews. Everything, the embargo is completely lifted. Wait, why? Because isn't it coming out to theaters December 17th? Yeah. So the, the review embargo and everything lifts on December 13th at like 10.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, which is about the time when the premiere should end. I mean, but that's okay, though, because, you know, reviewers don't spoil films. If you do, you're a bad reviewer. Mm-hmm. Or they usually say, well, not to spoil anything, but, and then you just scroll past that section and not... It's yeah, but then hard, you'll have man. the people that'll read those parts of the spoiler review and then they'll start barraging that all over oh. Twitter and everything because they're, you know, trolls and idiots. They have nothing better in their life to do. So I'm excited because I get to see the press screening on the 14th. So I'll be safe. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, let's establish a rule between us, man. Um, of course, don't tell me what happened. Uh but uh, as soon as I get out, I'm texting you the entire plot. I'm just Doc Ock was actually Ned's father the whole time. Not only that, but Green Goblin is right. <laughs> That'd be funny if you did that. You think the Spider-Man's going to show up, man? You think Toby and Andrew are coming? They have to be in it. I don't know how long they would be in it. Like, but at the very least, it'll be like one fight scene or something. Because uh, there's no way. That they would pull the villains from, let, let's just say that we didn't know the rumors at all. That there were no mm-hmm. rumors about them coming into the movie. That uh, there were no like leaked pictures or anything like that of like concept art or something. And it was just purely we're going, oh yeah, they picked the villains from the first three Spider-Man movies. And both of the Amazing Spider-Man movies. And yeah, it makes total sense that they wouldn't have the Spider-Man from those movies appear in this. There's no way. There's just absolutely no way. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way uh, unless they they play the whole movie, they don't show up, and then the end credit scene, they both kind of show up like, hey, weren't we here to... What are you doing here? What are you doing here? I'm here to fight a battle. I'm here to fight a battle. (laughs) And then there's just that one scene. I can say, if they don't show up at all in this movie... That would be the greatest troll on Sony's part of any movie in existence. But did they really troll, though? Did they really troll, or did people just run wild in their imagination? People have been wanting to see, like, ever since uh, Tobey Maguire took over Spider-Man, they wanted to see, like, a Spider-Verse kind of thing come up and have them be able to fight side-by-side side with each other. And then we what got Tom mean? Holland. Hmm? What do you mean ever since Tobey Maguire took up Spider-Man? Or uh, Andrew Garfield, I mean. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So ever since Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield kind of got separated and everything like that, uh, people have wanted to see like a Spider-Verse event that would have brought Tobey Maguire back into the Andrew Garfield movies. And then with Tom Holland taking over for the MCU, people have been like, they need to do a live-action Spider-Verse. They need to bring them both in, all three Spider-Men. It'll be great. And people actually wanted to see Toby and Andrew come back for uh, Spider-Verse. And the, I think the writers said they didn't want to do it because it would overshadow all the new characters they were trying to introduce. 
mm-hmm. with that one. Uh, but they left it open that they would consider it for a possible sequel. You know what, man? Um, I blame Spider-Verse for this, dude, because it showed the possibilities. I mean, like when it, you- they need to play with the multiverse. The multiverse is one of the most interesting things about Marvel Comics. Yeah. And um, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's pretty awesome when you watch the 90s animated series because they had one towards the end where Spider-Man meant different alternate reality Spider-Mans. Yeah. Which was pretty funny, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I I have to agree that uh, if I go see this movie and I don't see him, part of me would be like, well, that's what that's that's what my mind, that's what my imagination costs for running so wild. But part of me would be like, damn it, Sonny, Sony, you missed your window. <laughs> like, you know, like, you had one chance, one right. chance. Um, hey, man, if it happens, uh, great. Uh, if it doesn't happen, oh, well. I'm still trying to see. I mean, tickets might be sold out. I'm still trying to see if I want to see it opening day. I don't know, man. I don't want to trek to the movies on Thursday to go see this. I think this is one that will be worth seeing opening day because of that crowd experience. Like, the same thing with, like, Infinity War and with Endgame. Mm-hmm. Like, it, Infinity War, that ending is... It, it hits hard. But it especially hits hard when you're in a theater that's just completely silent after a Marvel movie ends. Like the credits roll and everybody's just sitting there quiet still, like still trying to process what just happened. I I like how when Infinity War ended, there was one dude behind me like, yo, what the fuck? What just happened? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like that can't be the end. They trolling us, you know, and then they trying to just sat there and nothing happened. And then they just got up and left. Um. Uh, yeah, I get. But in, in Infinity War, I, I was anticipating that movie, but there wasn't anticipation for that like it was with Endgame. Though Endgame was a film where I'm like, listen, I know they're not just gonna kill off the Avengers; they're gonna come back in some way. But mm-hmm. I don't want it to. I don't want it revealed to me how they do come back. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I, I want, I want to experience this. Um. <laughs> And that was a great crowd experience during that final battle. I talk about it all the time. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man, maybe. Because this is, this is my childhood here, man. This is Doc Ock and this is Green Goblin. So this, this is my childhood. I, maybe, maybe opening day. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I love how in the trailer they ask uh, Doc Ock, what's your name, man? Uh, what does he say? Oliver Octavius or... Yeah. Uh, Octavius, Octavius, yeah. Uh, and they they say, well, "What's your name?" Oliver no, no Octa- your actual name. <laughs> he said, "That's my name," and they just start laughing about it because that is funny. Like he has a ridiculous name. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, so the Ramai the Ramai trilogy is, is off off the chain. I saw House of Gucci, dude. Oh, how was it? It was good. Um, I want to say you saw this before we did the last podcast, didn't you? Did I tell you about it? Yeah, because you said that it was pretty good. Well, it, it, it was solid. It was over the top, but it was good. It was a good yeah. first watch. Good one-time watch. All right, I told you about it already. Um, all right, man, what well, I said for me, uh, y'all have a, a good one. If y'all happen to uh, get a bootleg copy of uh, No Way Home, send it to us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, 
but I'll uh, see it before any bootleg can come out, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter for him. Well, I'm talking for me. <laughs> uh, but all right, y'all have a great one, and uh, like, share, and subscribe. See you later.